subscribe, hit that like button, write and read the pod on Apple Podcasts, and let me know what you guys think in the comments. What's up, everyone? Welcome to an episode of The Boss Sauce. Today, I have Amy, host of the Drop Base Not Bombs podcast. Amy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Renee, for having me. It's a pleasure to be on here. It was so cool to have you on my podcast, and now I'm honored to be on yours. Yes, absolutely. It was so fun. So, Amy, let's just get into it. Can you tell us about how you got started with social media and your podcast? Sure. Yeah. So taking it back to the beginning, I'm actually originally from the US, from the New York area, and I moved to the Netherlands about seven years ago. And I started a company here called Drop Base Not Bombs. And originally the purpose was to organize raves for charity. And unfortunately, the first two events we had were in 2019. And we all know what happened following 2019 was the pandemic. So I thought, how can I still keep the spirit of Drop Base Not Bombs alive while still, of course, going with the times? And especially here in Europe, we were closed uh, two and a half years or so is quite a bit of time. And there was a lot of uncertainty. So in uh, 2021, I started uh, the Drop Base Not Bombs podcast and from there got really involved in social media as well. Kind of came out of the pandemic, I would say. I love that. What what made you want to pick that? social media platform or that that type of social media in particular since there I mean there's so many there's you know uh like TikTok and YouTube but what made you want to do a podcast in particular I've always been really interested in podcasts I listen to podcasts all the time so uh, my dog passed away in December, but when I had a dog, I'd be listening to podcasts all the time, walking her, taking the bus, on the train. You know, I've I've always been someone that has a commute or biking or at the gym, and I've just found podcasts as, as an amazing medium. I've listened to podcasts for a really long time, and to be honest, I've always been told I have a good radio voice, and I've been on the radio before, so I kind of just, it worked out for me. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, first, I'm sorry about your dog. But I do agree that you have a radio voice like it's very um, it's very like crisp and, and clear for sure. Thank you so much. Yeah, I've, I've heard that a lot. So podcasting came kind of easy to me. And I'd have to say out of all the different types of social media, I have to say podcasting is my favorite. It's just what I feel most comfortable with. I'm not super photogenic or like a model in front of the camera. I wouldn't say I'm crazy about, you know, video, but yeah, when it comes to radio and podcasting, I just feel really in my element. I feel really comfortable with it. Yeah, well, I, I think you're you're photogenic, and you do you do you would do both perfectly fine. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So you work for Hard Cell Mag, and I believe was it Electro House Network, uh, EDM House Network, EDM House Network. Yes. How do you balance? working for them as well as Drop Base Not Bombs social media and your own social media MC Unicorn official? Yeah, that's a great question. And actually to add to that list, I have a full-time job as well. <laughs> so to oh be totally God. transparent, like I have like a normal job. Um, I'm a consultant, so I have like a normal full-time job. And then on top of that, I have the Drop Base Not Bombs podcast. I have a, actually a second podcast called Ravers Revelations on Patreon. And then I have, <laughs> I'm the chief editor of Hardstyle Mag and I am a contributing writer for EDM House Network. Also MC, I make content. So I do a very long list of things. and. The key for me to time management is 
or balance is time management. Um, I'm very organized. We talked about this on my podcast as well. I love a good list. I love a good sub list. <laughs> I love a good calendar. Um, I have multiple calendars. I have, you know, obviously one on my computer, one on my phone, and then one hanging on my wall here. And yeah, I just feel like I'm a very organized person and I just put everything in, in order, put everything in a list and dedicate time to each thing. And yeah, it's it can be tricky, especially wearing so many different hats in in different categories, in different fields of work. But it's it's possible. <laughs> yeah. Can you work it or can you walk us through your workflow? Let's say, I mean, I don't know if you ever have to do all three of your three of those jobs, like in one day, like your podcast, your full time job and uh, like Hardstyle Mag and EDM House Network, like can you walk us through how you go on about your day and how you prioritize and such? Sure. So I can talk about today specifically because I actually do, I, I do sometimes do everything in one day. In a perfect world, I would like to dedicate different things on different days, but it just does not happen. So for example, usually I wake up between like 6 and 6.30 and just kind of get right to my computer, ch start checking my email, especially because with most of my work, I'm working with different time zones. So for instance, like it's 1045 at night for me here in the Netherlands. And for you, it's in the middle of the day. Um, you know, I work with a lot of people on the West Coast in the US and then also in India, which is four and a half hours ahead. And then on the East Coast of the US. So kind of have to take all that into consideration as well. And then I usually go to the gym around 915 for my classes. Today was shape class. Oh, very nice. <laughs> and then Thank you. And then come back to work. And yeah, I'm doing various things throughout the day. So I, this afternoon, I had a meeting with Hardstyle Mag, and then I had a couple of meetings for my normal job. And now we have the podcast tonight. There was nothing for EDM House Network today since um, the owner's in Ibiza right now working. So I guess it was off the hook for that for today. But yeah, it's just, it can go from one thing to another in, in just a matter of hours in a day. And I just kind of need to yeah, just change my hats and just like, okay, now it's time to be consultant, Amy. Now it's time to be MC Unicorn, Amy. Now it's time to, you know, do this. It's it's just having to to wear a lot of hats, balance a lot of different things and just being in the zone and the right mindset for each thing is really important. Yeah. Do you do anything like time blocks or set a certain amount of time for for whatever task you have to do, like allocate, like, I don't know, like, an hour, like 20 minutes to whatever you're trying to finish like in that day? I try. <laughs> I do my best. <laughs> I, I do try to do that. Um, But I'm the type of person I either get really hyper focused on something and then I'm like obsessing over, you know, for example, for work the other day, I needed to put together like a one pager and I'm like looking through all the fonts and like, through all the templates. And I had to put a limit on that because next thing you, you can't spend an hour figuring out the font that you're going to use or the template that you're going to use. You need to go with it and start you know, preparing the content. And then for for social media too, you can't spend an hour looking at emojis. You got to move along. So yeah, that, that can certainly be difficult, but I do try to time batch as much as I can. I do try to say, okay, from this time to this time, I'm going to focus on this and then I'm going to take a break and eat. And I think that's kind of the thing too, from working from home is, yeah, you have to take breaks because it's, it's really easy just to sit here all day in my, in my home office, as you can see. <laughs> behind me uh, you know to just sit here at this desk all day and obviously that's not healthy you gotta move around and you have to interact with people as well <laughs> yeah for, for people that work at home i heard that it's important to like learn how to separate like your workspace and your 
like your chill, like off work space? Do you do anything like that to kind of um, like put yourself in? Okay, like I'm off, like I'm in off mode. I'm no longer working. I'm in chill mode. Yeah. So I try to, when I leave here and I'm done to like close the door. So I don't like look, come in here again. Um, I also try to keep my work laptop set up with like the keyboard and the monitor and everything like plugged in. So I'm not tempted to like go and check. So it makes it more difficult to like go back and check something. Um, but I, it is hard because I live in an apartment, not a house. So it's not like I have an annex on my house. It's, you know, the, the living room's not that far. The kitchen's not that far, but I do try to like this is a space for working. It's for making content, podcasts, and normal work. Like I do eat in front of my desk, which is something I'm trying to work on is like trying to eat lunch. Like I try to think of it. I've had a lot of jobs over the years. So let, let's say, for example, when I worked at the YMCA, like you wouldn't eat in the gym where you're teaching gymnastics. Like you would go to the kitchen or the break room or whatever. So I, I'm trying to do that, but I end up like still, still eating in here. But that's something I'm working on as a way to take some distance and take some time. Cause otherwise it's really easy just to stay here, especially because next thing you're on your phone, working on something or on your computer, working on something it's yeah, it's, you can get sucked in. Right. Exactly. And I feel like if you're, I mean, for anything like me, I feel like I'll, I'll get stuck on one thing and then I'll just, like you said, kind of focus and I won't stop until either one of my timers goes off and says, Hey, it's time to work on this task or I, I finish the task completely. And then sometimes that can bite me in the ass and I end up <laughs> kind of neglecting all the other things that I wanted to finish during the day. I mean, you're obviously very busy. How do you have work-life balance? Yeah, that's something I really struggle with. Um, yeah, sometimes I don't like, and especially if we're talking about when it comes to making content and going to events, you know, going to raves and festivals used to be my party time. It used to be my time to escape. And now it's not. It's it's work. And so it's hard because like those lines between going out and having fun and work become blurry. Like, you know, you can still have fun and go to go to festivals. But even if I'm not there for EDM House Network or Hard Sell Mag, which is rare, I actually don't remember the last time I went to something not for them. I'm still thinking like, oh, I could get a good picture. I could wear my outfit from Rolita Couture and people can use my code and I can take a picture here. So I should wear that outfit. Or, oh, God, this is a good time to like go live. You know, you're just always, it's always in the back of my mind work. And I think I'm really working on now to try to like set some, set some boundaries and try to find things that are not work related. And yeah, just set, set limits, set boundaries, set timers for myself. Like, okay, this is time for work. And now it's time, like, close the door, turn off your phone, like set the do not disturb. The phone's a big thing too. You know, it's it's work, but it's also fun and it's also a distraction. And it's also a way to connect with people. And especially for me, I, I live abroad. So it's it's my it's my connection back home. So I, I like to keep in touch with everybody, but also it's 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 bad too. <laughs> yeah, especially social media. I mean, if you go into what they call like a like a what is it, a doom scroll or like endless scrolling, I feel like that can be so unhealthy, especially if you don't uh limit yourself like put for example, like I do like time time limits on the apps. I don't know if you do anything like that, but that helps me out a lot. Oh, that's a good idea. No, I, I don't. I try to just not scroll. What do you call it? Doom scrolling? Yeah, where you're just like in this oh. spiral of scrolling where you're just like nonstop consuming all this content, like mindlessly almost like a zombie. I think. Yeah, like it's not okay. I I think that's why I've been so avoidant of TikTok is because I feel like that's an app where you can just hours because next thing is interesting, next thing's interesting. And what I've noticed is 
I think it tricks your brain. I mean, all social media, like tricks your brain into thinking like you're accomplishing something. So like you're scrolling, looking at other people's stuff for hours, like your brain thinks, okay, you're accomplishing something. You feel good. You get that dopamine hit. But like, what did you really accomplish in the two hours that you were like scrolling? Maybe you did. Maybe you learned something, but I think you probably didn't. (laughs) Like it wasn't all educational, you know? Right, right. Sometimes I, you know, I'll scroll and then I'll, I honestly feel like I wasted a ton of time and I kind of changed my mindset to if I am going to use social media in any way, I'm going to spend that time creating rather than consuming. Um, just because I feel like overall, I think that it's hard to stop scrolling. You know, it's it's literally like an addiction. Definitely. Yeah. You get that dopamine hit and you're like, oh, I want to see what's next. And And then also, you know, there was that documentary on Netflix, I think it was called The Social Dilemma that came out a few yes. years ago. And it's true. I mean, it's all it's all true. And the thing is, with the algorithm, once you get down a deep dive, it shows you more things that you're interested in. It's also like how long you stay watching on a video. It's it's kind of scary if you think about it. But, you know, on the other hand, it's like, well, we're kind of we're kind of deep into it. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as creators and consumers, I think that we just have to be mindful and try to use it in a way that will be healthy for us and like benefit us. I think that what we're doing with our podcast, I think it's like super beneficial because it's teaching you, you know, all these different skills. But yes, I think that we just have to, you know, be aware of what we're doing. But otherwise, I think social media can be a beautiful thing and can like open so many doors and opportunities. Um, Speaking of which, um, you've grown your Instagram to, I believe, almost 5,000 followers. You created this podcast. Has any of your social medias like opened any doors for you or opportunities? Definitely. So when you were when you were speaking, I was just thinking like, I really see social media as like a networking tool. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of things, but I've I've used it a lot as a networking tool. I've connected, I connected with you, you know, I've connected with people all over the world. And a lot of it was through electronic music. I mean, that's something that that connects a lot of people certainly connected us. Yeah. So I, I that's it's opened a lot of doors for me because it's made people accessible that weren't accessible before. So for example, you're all the way in Vegas. I've never been to Vegas. You've never been to the Netherlands, right? So how would we have met? Maybe maybe we have some mutual friends, but maybe not. You know, how would we have met? How would we have connected? How would you've come on my podcast? I've come on your podcast, but not for social media. And I've noticed that a lot now with DJs too in the scene. You know, I'm 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 the same age as you and I'm I'm from the rave scene of like 2009 is when I I started raving when I was 18 in college and you couldn't just like message it. I mean, there was no Instagram, but you couldn't just like message your favorite DJ. Like you have to go and see them and wait by the side door. A meet and greet. Yeah, the meet and greet. You'd have to buy a meet and greet ticket or just like get lucky or like wait by the side door or wait by like the rail where they came, came out or know a promoter or maybe message someone on Facebook. But Facebook was still pretty in its early stages. But now you could just message your favorite, whoever your favorite DJ is, you can message them and have a full on conversation with them. And on the one hand, that's a great thing. And on the other hand, it can also be problematic, you know? Exactly. I mean, I think that's honestly why I have my Twitter. Sometimes I'll reach out to not just like DJs, but even companies. um, If for whatever reason, like, uh, I don't know, something is wrong with my order and I'm not getting any response from customer service. Like sometimes they'll respond faster on social media. 
Definitely. Yeah. I, I didn't think of that, but that is true. I, I do contact my phone, my phone service provider through Facebook because they're like faster to respond on Facebook Messenger than if I were to go on their website, go through their portal. So yeah, that that's true too. It's just, it's made a lot of people accessible. It's opened up a lot of doors. It's given a lot of people access and given a lot of people platforms that might not have had platforms before. Yeah, absolutely. I think I definitely agree with that. It, it definitely makes you uh, what is the word like well accessible but also you're just you're able like you said able to communicate and network with with everyone and I think that's just uh, so amazing um, but speaking of like uh, like social media and content creation um, what would you say is one of the like misconceptions about being a, a content creator on social media that that it's just all fun. I was so excited to answer this question that it's just all fun and you just get free stuff and that it's just like that it's easy. It's it's really not easy. And it's really it's it's a long game. You know, it takes a lot of time. On the one hand, it can either take a lot of time or you get that one viral video and that's your big break. And that has not been the case for me. It is the case for some people. And that's great. That's not the case for me. It's definitely been a long game. And you have to like play, you have to play the game too. You know, you have to figure out the trends. You need to go with that trending audio you to, or, you know, certain emojis or effects, you know, you need to see what the people want. You need to have a niche. It's, it's an incredible, it's not as easy as just posting. It's definitely, it takes a lot of time. Yeah, absolutely. It's work. I think a lot of people, like you said, they think it's all fun, but it's really work because you're taking time out of your day. Like when you are off, when you're not obligated to work on your your content unless you're taking it very seriously which we are and i think that a lot of people think that it's fast that you know editing is very quick but i think a lot of people are learning that it's not hence you know why people are hiring um, content creators what like strategies did you use to grow your social media um like for example your instagram you have almost like five thousand followers which is impressive i think that it's so hard to uh, grow like on Instagram nowadays, like what, what, um, like methods or, uh, or I guess, what did you do to, to grow your following? Yeah. So the first thing I did was figure out who my niche was. So I got Instagram actually, in I think college in 2012 or something like that, when it was all lattes and food and margaritas on Instagram, it wasn't until really the pandemic that it became a business tool for for me. So I was still posting a lot of personal stuff. I was still posting like, this is me at the gym. This is me with my margarita again, as an example. Uh, so I had to first find my niche and I had to make it a little more professional. So I put more, putting more effort into my photos. Um, I'm not the best at like taking pictures. I'll be honest. I don't have an eye for like photography. So I had to really buckle down, take good photos or have somebody else take good photos for me. And then really paying attention to trends. Um, I did a lot of reels and kind of playing to your strengths. So I think my strength is on Instagram is I do some funny reels. Like there's just, I'm, I'm a, I, I think I'm funny. Maybe I'm not funny, but <laughs> I do some funny reels and some humor. Um, yeah, I, I think, I think those are all strategies and tools that I, I use to, to grow MC Unicorn to, to where it is today. I love that. You know, a lot of social media now is coming up with like different ideas and having like a creative um approach to social media how do you come up with new ideas for posts and content 
Yeah. So ideas come to me constantly. Um, kind of like I was saying before in the life of a content creator, like it's hard to turn your brain off. So for example, on Friday, I'm leaving for Croatia and I was already thinking tomorrow I'm going to film myself packing because I need to pack anyway. And I'm bringing outfits that, you know, are sponsored and I'm working with different brands and the event that I'm going to, I'm working at. So I'm like, well, might as well film myself packing, <laughs> you know, just thinking. So I try to keep things simple. I've noticed in the past, I used to spend hours and hours putting together reels, coming up with ideas. And now I just try to go with, I, you know, things I'm already doing or try to combine things together. So for example, at, I, you know, I was working at Tomorrowland for EDM House Network, but I also got content there for the Ravers Revelations podcast. I also got content there for MC Unicorn. Like I just try if I'm already doing something to get as much out of it, wear that sponsored outfit, write an article, the event article that I'm supposed to do, like, you know, do my little recap reels that I always do. So yeah, I try to, I try to make things a little more simple now because before it was just, spending hours and hours on these transition dance transition reels it's just like that's too much <laughs> yeah it sounds like you, you you plan out like what you're you're going to do would you agree that content creation or or like being a content creator has a lot of planning involved like thinking ahead of time definitely definitely it, it does require a lot of planning especially when it comes to the algorithm you need to post at the right times now, also, how long is it going to, well, is it a reel? Is it a photo? How long is it going to be? And then again, like I said, what audio are you going to use? What caption, you know, what effects, um, you know, what photos are you going to use? What are you going to use for the cover photo? Are you going to also make it a story? Do you have a link? Do you have a code? Do you have, so yeah, it requires an incredible amount of planning also with the hashtags. You, it's not just something you can just do. I mean, anyone can post a picture anywhere, right? But if we're talking really about true content creation, it, it does, it does require a lot of planning. Yes. Yeah, I think a long time ago, well, not a long time ago, maybe like three, four years ago, like on Instagram in particular, you could spontaneously post a, a picture or video and put a caption full of emojis and it would do well. I think that right now in this day and age with how the algorithm is, you there has to be a little bit of planning involved unless you already have that giant following that you've built. But I think that it definitely requires a little bit more effort than it used to. Definitely, definitely more strategy, definitely more effort, more planning. And of course, ideas can come to you at any time. But even like I said, I'm already thinking that tomorrow I'm going to pack, you know, and that I'm going to film. Like, I'm already thinking, OK, well, what am I going to pack? Where am I going to put the camera on the tripod? You know, what lights are, am I going to use? Where am I going to film it? Am I going to pack in my office? Am I going to pack in the because right now all my stuff's in the guest room on the guest bed? Like, so, you know, there's logistics, too. And where are you going to stand? And if it's a transition reel, like you really need to pay attention of where you're standing because you need to be in that same spot for the transition. Is the light good? Is there an ambulance outside? Is it loud? Like it, there's just, there's just a lot, a lot of things that go into it and in order for it to go right. And you might need to film it again. So it's a lot of jumping and dancing or of packing and repacking or whatever you're doing, you know, it might not work out perfectly the first time and that's okay. Yeah. 100%. What would you say is the hardest part about being a, a content creator and a podcaster? I would say the hardest part is when you when you spend a lot of time on something and you work really hard on it and it doesn't get the views, likes or reach that you want it to. And that can be really frustrating, especially because I feel like in the normal work environment, you put in the hard work, you show up every day at the office at 9 a.m., you shake hands with your boss and like over time, you'll make a little more money. You get that promotion, right? 
But it, I don't feel like that's the case when it comes to social media. I feel like you can put in hours and hours of work and really go hard on these reels and things. And it doesn't always resonate with people. It doesn't always land well. Maybe you're shadow banned or maybe it's just not the right timing. Maybe you picked the wrong song. Maybe TikTok took down your song for a copyright and you didn't know that. <laughs> Is there like specific, some specific examples, some not, but yeah, I think that's the most frustrating part is when I do something I want and I work really hard on it and I'm proud of it. I want that to come across and that that's just not how it goes. Not every time. Yeah, I think that's every content creator's dilemma. To be honest, I think that content creators of all sorts go through that multiple times, if not like, I mean, at least more than once, sometimes more than once a, a week, I would say, because it's almost like with the algorithm, you, you don't know what's going to change and you have to almost like experiment with it and kind of treat it like a, a test and even look at your analytics and think to yourself, oh, okay, well, I did this and this piece of content did really well. And so I'm going to continue doing that or, oh, this didn't do well. So I'm going to stop doing that. Um, so I think that's super important. Um, how important would you say that analytics are when it comes to your content creation? Yeah, I say they're pretty important. It's just difficult when you're across so many platforms to check everything. So for example, you know, with the podcast, like my podcast is on YouTube, it's on Spotify. I use Anchor, well, Spotify for podcasters as my hosting platform. So it, I do see all the statistics there. But then of course, you have Instagram, and now I'm on TikTok, and then you have Facebook. And you know, looking at looking at all the analytics in different places, it, it can be difficult. But it, it is important. And especially when it comes to what time to post, and what you're posting. And then over time, it gets a little bit easier for a while, because like, okay, if I'm responding to someone from a story from a question, I notice that like, it gets more views when I post picture of myself instead of just like reposting story, you know, reels tend to do better for me. Like my audience tends to be online at this time. So once you find those patterns and trends, it, it's a bit easier, but it, it does take a little bit of time and you do need to consistently check it because things change. Yeah, absolutely. I think that you have to really look at your reports or your analytics at least, at least like once a month. I think mm -hmm. to really know what's going on. Otherwise, you're just looking at like vanity metrics, like likes and views, which are important, but I wouldn't say that they're more important than engagement, for example. Definitely. Yeah, you need to have a strong audience. You need to have people who are consistently coming back to you. And one thing I've noticed, going back to your question about tools and strategies, one thing I've been doing now is Instagram Lives. So that's one way that I engage with my audience. And I noticed too, some people showing up at, every week for the live. So I'm like, Hey, you know, once you build that consistent, I'm like, keep coming back. Yay. Yeah. It's and awesome. It's amazing. It's great. If it, that feels really good, even if it's five, five of the same people, like friends from college or family, or it doesn't matter. Those people are engaging with you. They're commenting, they're asking questions in the chat. And that's what makes the lives fun. You know, the lives are fun when people are engaging with me, when at the end I have like a bunch of questions, some of the questions, some people ask weird questions, but you know, when you, when you see all the questions, um, yeah, that that's one great way to engage, I would I would say. And, and engagement is so important. How how would you say community or how important would you say community is with social media? I think it's the most important. I, I think I think it's extremely important. And thankfully in the electronic music scene, it's kind of easy to build a community. I feel like most of the people I reach out to are, are responsive. Maybe they don't want to come on the podcast. Maybe they're busy. Maybe not. they're not able to. But 
feel like most of the people I've reached out to have at least been able to have a conversation with and have a connection with about music, whether it's, you know, common interest in terms of genre or them being interested in the Netherlands or, you know, we're oh, both going to EDC Orlando, something like that. But yeah, I feel like community is extremely important. And we're lucky in the electronic music scene that that builds in sense of community once you have that shared interest of EDM or whatever subgenre, especially if you like the same subgenre, like it's really, it's really easy. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely agree. Uh, kind of going back uh, a little bit, because we were talking about um, like uh, analytics and such, and you having to manage all of these different platforms. Do you use anything like a... Um, a scheduling tool um, to help you schedule out posts or anything like that? No, I don't use any tools per se. Um, I do in Instagram use the scheduling feature when it works. There are times where it does not work, unfortunately. I know. <laughs> when it when it works, I, I do use that. Um, I'm kind of old school in my planning. I have like, I'm looking next to me, like I have lists, like my lit normal list for work. And, and I just say like Wednesday. So like I already wrote down that tomorrow I want to film, like I said, that packing reel. I also have the live tomorrow. Um, but I also try to batch when I film stuff. So that helps too. And because there are some days where I could get away at work, you know, because I work from home and not wearing makeup and not dressing nice can just like whatever, stay in casual clothes. But I try to, you know, batch those things. So to answer your question, no, I don't use any tools like that. But I I, I do write things down and I do plan things. I just try to schedule when I can. Mm -hmm. When you batch create, do you have a process uh, for how you work? Like how you work, how you, your workflow for that day? Is there a workflow to your batch? creation content days? Yeah, sometimes. Um, I try to do like Wednesdays as content days, but yeah, like I say, sometimes, you know, other things pop up and sometimes not possible, but I try to focus on like one platform at a time. So if I'm, I kind of gave up on TikTok to be honest for a little while, but now I'm back, but there's like a period after Tomorrowland, I was like, I'm done with this app. It's too much. I can't do it. Um, but now I'm back. So that's good. Um, I try to focus on one one platform at a time. So if I'm making TikToks, I'm focusing that time period on making TikToks. So whether that's using like the cap cut templates to do the meme ones, which is what I've been doing, or make, you know, ones that I pull over from reels uh or recap ones, I try to do do it like that. That makes it a little bit easier. Um, and then yeah, I try to if I'm filming stuff for Instagram, I try to do things that are like in the same outfit together or you know, just I I do my I do my best to avoid changing clothes seven times or like try to keep like basic makeup and not, you know, or if I'm gonna wear something in my hair, make sure it fits everything. Like I, I try to bash it like that just to, just for time because otherwise you spend the whole time <laughs> changing, changing outfits, changing clothes, moving things around. Yeah, I, you know, and it's funny because when I do um, batch content days, I end up changing a bunch just because I don't want people to know that I filmed like all my content in one day. Like I want to kind of have some um, like diversity in the outfits, I guess. But no, I, I do know what you mean because it is a lot of work having to change um, in and out outfits and accessories, changing um, wherever you're going to film etc let's get into some of the logistics so i i know that you mentioned that you use um what was it anchor and sometimes instagram's scheduling app are there and, and CapCut? are there any other softwares that you use to edit your content like your podcast or your instagram content 
Yeah. So for the podcast, I use Audacity. I do have a friend who helps me with audio editing, but that's all done in Audacity, which is a great tool for editing audio. Um, I use a lot of different apps on my phone. So I have InShot for like editing pictures. I also have like Photoshop Express, Adobe Express. Um, yeah, just just mostly mostly apps. Uh, but yeah, it 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 can be it, that can be time consuming as well. Like navigating all the different apps, and you know, are you gonna do like an AI photo that like use the Lensa AI thing that everybody was like into for a little while, or are you gonna just use normal Photoshop, or are you just gonna edit the photos it, right in Instagram? You know, I, I was thinking about that today. I posted something uh, promoting the festival that I'm going to, and at first I'm like, oh, I was looking at Photoshop and then look at, you know, going through all the filters and then like, hmm, and then do you want to like a rainbow background? I mean, that that that's incredibly time consuming as well, trying to choose the perfect, you know, filter or border or effects. Do you allocate a certain amount of time to editing your content? Because I feel like that's that's almost like, I would say probably 75% of the work. Are you having trouble with social media? Need a content creator, a video editor, or need social media management? Well, those are some of the services that I offer. Go to reneesworry.com for more. Now back to the show. Yeah, I, I try to. And uh, at the beginning of the year, I did have help. I did have an intern, um, but she was a, she's a student. So her semester ended. So she had to, you know, she couldn't stay with me forever, unfortunately. Um, I did a lot of internships when I was in college, so I understand how that goes. But she was with me from um, February until June, I think. So she was doing a lot of this stuff. Like she was editing the podcast, putting it on YouTube, editing a lot of photos. And like that was a huge help. Of course, I had to oversee things and and that was, it was there was work on my end, too. But now I'm yeah, my podcast is coming back September 15th. I think I found somebody to help me with all of that. So hopefully, hopefully someone can help me just because it. Yeah. And I, I don't have any experience editing video, editing audio. I do have experience editing some photos. OK, and the apps that I said, certainly I'm not a professional, but editing video is a whole nother ball game. So I think she used. I don't remember the name, but so I think it in Adobe is something in Adobe, like Adobe I don't remember uh, Premiere. Probably, I think so. I think so. Yeah, you know, I I really um, love that you mentioned that you did get help because I think that if you're able to get assistance and take some time, um, like get some time back, I think that's super beneficial to you as a content creator, just because you already have so much to do. Um, not to mention the fact that you have um, a full-time job and work for um, these other companies in the uh, rave scene. So um, I absolutely love that. Like what, at what point were you like, you know what, I'm going to get an intern. I'm going to get someone to help me with video. I actually always wanted an intern because I, I did nine internships between like my undergrad and law school. I went to school in DC and it was really common and I did nine internships. And then when I was in law school, I actually worked as a personal assistant and it was one of the best jobs I've ever had. And I was like, I always wanted an assistant or always wanted an intern. So it's something that's been on my radar for a long time, but obviously it does require, you know, a lot of work, a lot of steps. And, and I did, um, get an intern through a university and you need to, you know, be an established business. You need to fill out all this paperwork. You need to have a certain amount of this and that. So it, it took some time, but yeah, it's something I, it's something I wanted for a while. And for season two of the podcast, like it was just time. And the main reason I, I got an intern was because I wanted to bring the podcast onto YouTube. And I think that's when you want to hire someone, it's when you can't do it yourself. Like when you, I don't have video editing experience and I don't really have the time to go back to school. I'm not going back to school ever again, but I don't have time to, you know, take 
all those classes. And if I can find somebody who can do it better than me and who loves to do it and who needs the experience, then then why not? Yes, absolutely. What what criteria do you have for um, your interns? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I was ideally looking now for more than one intern just because I realized that what I was asking for was a job for maybe three people, not one pe- one person. Uh, there's video editing, there's graphic design, and then there's social media. So I, in a perfect world, I would have three interns, but that is a lot and a lot to manage. And especially when you're working through a university, because there's a lot of communication with the intern supervisor, with the teacher, you know, helping them with their reports, weekly meetings. It's, it's also a lot of work. So I don't know if that's feasible, but the main criteria would be somebody who you know, is is an expert in video editing, has a good eye for editing, knows how to use these types of programs. Um, you know, th- that would be for video editing, has knowledge of YouTube, because there's a lot of like algorithm algorithms and science around YouTube, like when to upload and the, you know, doing the chat. I, I don't even know. I don't even know the thumbnail, the graphics, like there, there's a lot that goes into that. So having somebody who has experience in that or is an expert in that is really an asset. And then yeah, someone who's who's available to to keep up with with my pace and my schedule. Like I work very hard, so someone who's also works hard but is independent. So that's kind of for the video editing, for graphic design, just someone who has experience, you know, using Photoshop, using Lightroom, making different graphics whether it's a cover for a reel or an Instagram post or a thumbnail or a Facebook cover, knowing what all that is and knowing how to to make those effectively and what fits with the brand. And then with social media, well, that's a whole that's all another separate job. Someone who has experience with social media, someone who knows how to work with the algorithm, knows how to work across various apps. It's 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 a lot. That's that's just a few examples. Yeah, and to to, to determine all that, do you request a, like a portfolio, or do you take a look at like the work that they've done just to kind of verify that your that their editing styles resonate with how you want your um, brand or content to um, be perceived as? Yeah. So what I did the last time around was, of course, you know, reviewed their resume, had a formal interview. And then I did a second round of interviews where I gave them kind of a test. And that's kind of how you weed out who's serious and who's not serious. Um, the test was basically just like a list of questions and, and kind of a test like, what do you and honestly, like, what do you think of the content? Excuse me, what do you think of the content that I have? Like, how would you do this differently? How would you edit this here? Or where would you put this? Like just asking specific questions and kind of giving them a test uh, and going over the analytics with them. Like, you know, what do you think about this data? What do you think about this, these metrics? What do you think about the fact that most of my listeners are online at this time or most of my listeners are based in the Netherlands and the US? And, you know, just so I kind of give them a test, <laughs> which might be intense. But yeah, that that's kind of how I, I weed them out because maybe they don't have, Instagram of their own, or they, you know, work for other companies, things like that. But that's kind of how I, how I determine that is, you know, let, let's, let me give you a test. Let me give you some examples. How would you react and respond in these situations? That's crazy. I love that. Um, I've never had an intern. So I think this is super interesting. Um, Get one. <laughs> yeah. Is there, um, I mean, you, you mentioned the university, is there a certain process that, you have to go through in order to qualify to get an intern? 
Yes. So here in the Netherlands, what I had to do basically is sign up through the university to become kind of like an accredited internship program. So they looked at like the number of employees that I had and have. And although I'm not hiring anybody, I do have a team of people that help me. Like I said, I'm my friend who helps edit the podcast. I've, you know, I do have an accountant. So I put him down. Um, I've like other people who advise me and work with me. So I included them as employees. And basically, you know, what's the purpose of the organization? Um, I am registered here in the Netherlands in, in the Chamber of Commerce. So they asked for that information. You know, what what kind of work do you do? And then what kind of work would the intern be doing and who's going to supervise them? So I supervised her, but exactly what is the scope of work? So that was interesting, you know, writing a job description for her and kind of laying out what she was going to do. But yeah, there are strict requirements, but it really depends where you are. And I think it depends on the university. But I would say try to get connected with a with a local university, in your case, maybe in Vegas and and just see like you never know. See, just to see, maybe there's someone, the, the intern I had, she was studying film and yeah, now I'm kind of branching out, um, you know, to see who else wants to help me, but yeah, you can start there and see how it goes. I love that. I'm super interested. What would you say are the pros and cons of having an intern? So the pros of having an intern, of course, is having somebody who can help you, having somebody who might be younger than you, in which case with social media is kind of handy to have. I mean, I'm 32. I'm not, you know, super old, but it is nice, especially with TikTok to have somebody who's a little younger and knows a bit more about the trend about the trends than me, at least. So that's really helpful. Also, having someone who's studying in school makes it a little bit more serious than if you were to just, you know, find anybody anywhere. The fact that they're getting school credit for this, that their teachers checking it, that they're getting a grade for it does incentivize them and encourage them to to work hard. So those are kind of the pros. The cons are if you are getting a student, they they do lack that experience because they're new. They're they're a student. They might only be in their second year, so you can't expect them to be, you know, a, someone with 15 years of experience of video editing. They they're only 20, you know, how would they how would they do that? So they could lack experience and then also they could sometimes lack you know professionality and things that just come with working in the workplace with being older and also as a student they have other responsibilities as well they might have school they might have family things social things so they can't give you even if they are working for you full time they might not be able to give you your your their undivided attention right i can see that especially as a full time student for sure have you ever had an intern that was not meeting your standards? Not necessarily. Well, I have pretty, pretty high standards. I, I'm like a perfectionist. So, uh, I mean, of course, there, there has been times, you know, where that has happened. And, and of course, my normal work as well, where people didn't meet what I was expecting. And you, know, you have to be honest with them. And I think, I think positive feedback and constructive, constructive criticism is a wonderful thing. Like, that's how you grow. I'm constantly given, you know, constructive feedback in my job. Like, this is really good, but you can do this better. And I mean, it just makes you a better person. It, it makes you grow in your professional career. So yeah, there's certainly been times, you know, working with people where that's happened, but I feel like we addressed it. And it is hard to, because you don't want to micromanage them. And that's something that I sometimes don't want to like micromanage, like, oh, do it like this. And maybe the way they're doing it is fine. You need to like loosen the reins a little bit and let, let them go. But at the same time, it does need to follow the niche. It does need to follow the brand. They do need to know the trends. They do. So it's a balance. Yeah. Have you thought about outsourcing, like finding people on, for example, like Upwork or, or Fiverr? 
Yeah, so I've I've hired a few people on Fiverr for very short-term projects. Um, the theme song that I have for the Drop Bass Not Bombs podcast, like my catchy song, that was made by someone on Fiverr. So I've used it for short-term things. Um, unfortunately, the podcast does not generate enough income to to really hire somebody yet. Otherwise, I, I would have hired <laughs> multiple people at this point. Um, hopefully someday that that is the goal. But yeah, for now, short-term projects on Fiverr certainly working with interns, working with friends. That's kind of the way to go at the beginning, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as soon as, you know, anyone gets the the, the funds to get um, help, I think that it would definitely be beneficial to you as a, a content creator or a, a podcast, podcast host, if um, that's what you're trying to do. Um, what, what advice would you have for people that are starting out with content creation or podcasting? Yeah, I would say don't get discouraged. Don't give up. Just keep going at it. It might not get as many views that you want at the beginning. It might not get all those listens, all those likes. But if you're really loving it and it's something that you're passionate about, just just keep going for it. Don't give up. Yes, because I feel like it's almost a long game with content creation. It's it's definitely more of a a, a marathon for sure. Definitely. And you have to figure out what works for you. You need to learn your niche. You have to see like, are you going to go the YouTube route? Or are you going to go Spotify? You know, you have to see what works for you and what works for your listeners and your audience. Yes. Um, so let's kind of switch gears over to um, your podcast, Drop Bass, Not Bombs. Um, what would you say is the hardest part about podcasting whether it be like finding guests or finding someone to like edit your podcast um or like finding like conversation topics i would say the hardest thing is managing everything because there's so much that goes from the moment that you decide to find a guest for that episode to the moment that the episode comes out <clears throat> There's so much, there's so many steps in between that. So first you decide, okay, I want to have this guest on the podcast. Well, you need to do some research on them. Listen to other podcasts they've been on, read some articles, check out their social media. Then you need to go and contact them. You have to see if they're available. What time zone are they in? In my case, a lot of times they're in a different time zone. Get them on the schedule, start writing those questions. Yeah, I, I'm not going to go through all the steps because we'll be here all day. But basically, there's just the hardest part is managing from the moment that you decide to go with that guest for that episode to the moment that the, the episode goes up. And then even when the episode goes up, there's still things that are done after all the Instagram promotion. Then you make a reel for it. You know, then the stories. Then I do a recap on the on Instagram live. And yeah, just there's there's just managing all those things and staying organized because it's not linear. I'm never working on one episode at a time. It's always multiple. For example, like I have everything pretty much ready for the first episode of season three, but I'm about to record, you know, the second episode for, for season three. And then I'm making questions for the next one. So it's never just one at a time. No, and I feel like it, it, if you do one at a time, I feel like it's, it, it's kind of tricky because you might end up being... Um, you might get screwed if, for example, the guest doesn't show up for whatever reason or um, you get sick and you can't do it. I think it's always good to have um, some content 
planned out in advance or podcast episodes in advance, just because um, you you kind of want to be ready and set yourself up for success. But what um, what do you do if a guest does not show up, or has that ever happened to you? And like, what did you have to do about it? Um, I've never had a guest not show up. There was a couple times where like we got the time difference wrong. <laughs> like they like with the with the time difference, like we got the time wrong, so we had to reschedule things like that. But I've I've never had anybody stand me up, I guess per se. Um, we have had time difference issues or someone is running late or needs to reschedule. Um, in which case, like I'm just ready to go with another episode. Like I'm always recording them a bit um in advance. And a lot of times too, I need to schedule everything around my schedule. So for example, if I know I'm going to be in the U.S. for a while, am I going to bring my microphone with me? Am I do I have time when I'm there? Am I traveling? So if I know I'm going to be away a lot, then I try to, you know, record some episodes in advance or maybe do a solo episode, something like that. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> that's super smart. How do you choose your guests? What is your um, selection process? for Drop Bass Not Bombs? Yeah, so the mission of Drop Bass Not Bombs is raving for a cause, partying for a purpose, making the electronic music scene a better place. So the criteria for that is, are you meeting Are you meeting those things? Are you someone in the electronic music scene who is really using your platform for good? So whether you're a DJ or a content creator or an industry professional, what are you doing through your craft, whether that's music or content, et cetera, your, your work, your the events you organize, what are you doing to make the scene a better place? Because there's a lot of people in the scene doing that, but there's there's some that are not. So <laughs> I would say, you know, that's that's the criteria is do you fit the niche? Do you fit the brand? Do you fit the mission of Drop Bass Not Bombs? I love that. With your podcast, um, are there any specific uh, pieces of equipment that you absolutely love and recommend that you use, whether it be like a ring light, tripod, uh, microphones, et cetera? Yes, I, I have a lot of different equipment and yeah, of course, software that I use. So for my microphone, this is a Trust Amita microphone. I've had it since the beginning. It was a Christmas gift from my boyfriend to support me with the podcast. So I love it. It works really well. Comes with the pop screen. So comes the cover. It comes in a in a, port, a portable case. Um, my All my headphones and earplugs come from Power Locus, which is a brand that I work with. So they they sponsor me with these headphones, which are great. I've used various throughout the podcast and we're always wearing different ones for ring lights. Just yeah. Amazon, there's standard Amazon ring lights. Uh, of course my laptop, that's about it for the basic equipment for the podcast. And then for software, like I said, I, I use audacity for the audio editing. Um, and then I use zoom, I have zoom pro, you know, pay for that expensive subscription to, <laughs> yeah, to, uh, to get these episodes out. So yeah, th those are kind of the basic things that I work with. Do you use any specific uh, cameras or webcams? I don't use a webcam at all, actually. That is something. Yeah, yeah. I noticed you. Your your like video quality is really good. Um, I'm using my laptop camera actually. Like, I'm not using a webcam. Like, I I need to get it. I've thought of a while. This is the thing with with podcasts. I think that people don't realize is it's not a cheap hobby. It's not it's really no. it's really not a cheap hobby. <laughs> it's not cheap because everything that I just listed is not cheap. And then you have a, additional subscriptions as well. For example, if you have a website, you're paying for the domain name. If you are using Adobe or like I have a Creative Cloud package, that's not cheap. Zoom Pro is not cheap. 
if you're going to put episodes on SoundCloud, that's like I was doing that at the beginning. Now I'm not because there wasn't that many listeners, but that costs like 11 euros. I, I don't know in dollars, but whatever. Say around the same um, a month. So, yeah, there, there's all, all these costs and then promotion as well. If you are going to do, you know, paid ads on Facebook or something like that, if you are going to boost posts, that costs money. If you hire somebody that costs money, you know, these it's 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 really not cheap. That's I think that's a misconception. Like, oh, this seems easy. You just like use your phone and record a podcast. But no. So I am thinking about getting a camera, a webcam, and then maybe at some point a, a new phone for my content, because I do have an iPhone 11 and people have told me like, you got to get a new phone. I'm like, uh, not right now. I like this. This phone is fine. But yeah, what can you do? Well, honestly, with podcasting, I would say that as long as your audio sounds good, your your video quality can be complete crap because I I mean, I, I, I tend to listen to my podcast more than watch them, depending on what it is usually. But I've read that people will still watch a podcast, even if it has awful um, video, just because the audio is what's going to make up for it in the long run, for sure. But and, I mean, your and your audio is perfect. So. Oh, thank you. Thanks. I appreciate that. And yeah, at, at some point, it'd be great to get a camera, of course, and do some fancy things on YouTube. But but for now, you know, the audio is most important, like you said. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it does get expensive because, I mean, I have um, the Sony a6400 and that costs almost a thousand dollars and that's not with the wow. lens. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely a lot of money. And then if you're using um, like special cables or like a certain interface um like all of that will add up um and can be costly but um have you i, I know you mentioned the podcast hasn't uh monetized been monetized yet are you monetizing in any other ways uh with your social media a little bit but that's still you know i do have my my full-time normal job but we do have some ads. So originally, uh, you know, Spotify for podcasters used to be Anchor. So I did have those Anchor ads, but it did change. Um, I do work with some affiliate links. So I work with Relita Couture and Shroom Beach. And there's been others uh, over the years, but those are the two main ones now. So, you know, people buy the outfits, some money comes in here and there. But no, you know, the the podcast, it's it it's it's been difficult to to make money from it. So I definitely have to keep going with my full-time job and side hustles and things like that. But yeah, the, those things take time. And that would be the next step too. It'd be great. It would be great if it, if it made money. It'd be great if I could, yeah, like hire, hire multiple people, hire three people, four people, a team of people, have a more professional studio, get a webcam, upgrade my equipment, get better lights, um, get all the, you know, fancy subscriptions and, and just get people who, who really, really, really could help me, you know, not just students that come and go, but like a team of a team of professionals that are just here all the time or just, you know, can can work remote, of course. Yeah, absolutely. And I think eventually I think that you will get there because I, I noticed that you are um, consistent and um, keep showing up, which I think is the most important, because I think that's what a lot of people struggle with is um, staying on top of it, putting out an episode every week or you know, bi-weekly, whatever their, um, their schedule is. And I think that with today's like age and world with social media, I think that there are so many different ways for people to start monetizing their content. It's just a matter of when you're going to, um, figure that out and learn like what you can like make money doing 
or it's just a matter of time. Um, but I think as long as you're pumping content out, you're kind of like feeding that machine of uh, like building your brand and showing people your your sets of skills. Um, but with um, with your podcast, uh, Drop Base Not Bombs, um, where do you see it in the future? Yeah, that's a great question. I think before Corona, if people asked me where I saw Drop Base Not Bombs in five years, I was like dead set on organizing a festival. Like I really wanted to organize a festival for charity. But, you know, since Corona, we haven't we haven't organized an event since Corona. We had a bunch of stuff planned for like May 2020 and it got canceled. And, you know, it's really it's disheartening, especially when your organization is is not making money to, to you know, it's a, it's a really organizing it. We talk about podcasting being expensive, but organizing events is really expensive. It's a huge financial risk. So, you know, moving away from that, I would really like to see the podcast grow. I would like to do episodes on a weekly basis. I would, instead of, you know, now it's twice a month and and I'm kind of considering if it's going to be once a month, it'd be great to do it weekly. It'd be great to have a team of people. It'd be great to have like three reels per episode and all, all the YouTube shorts and cool thumbnails and, you know, just, and to be, and to be everywhere and to get more, more views and more listeners. And yeah, I think, I think that would be great for the future. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, weekly, I think it's, uh, you know, so people may see may find that that's easy, but I personally find that very challenging, especially if you're working a a full time job. And that's one of the reasons why I do this podcast biweekly. It, it just gives me that extra week to kind of catch up and work on my full time job, plus the podcast, plus my social media, plus my client social media on top of that. So I think it's oh my gosh, yeah, it, it, it's definitely um, a lot of work. But I feel like you just have to do what's right for you in in the meantime, and you kind of, you know, do what you can and make the most out of your time and make sure you're um, using your your time wisely, because I think it is kind of crucial in the world of um, social media to prioritize what's important. Um, but how, uh, how, how do you deal with imposter syndrome? Yeah, that's a great question. So I didn't start dealing with imposter syndrome until this year, actually, which is really funny. Um, yeah, I never, I never had it before. I never had oh, it. You before. are blessed, Amy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it just it's a very new phenomenon for me. It's come up a bunch in the in the last year, and yeah, it's kind of weird. It's it's weird because I never experienced it before. So it's like, how do you navigate that? And the first few times, it was when I got an intern and I was speaking with her teacher. And you know, I've managed people at work before. I've, I've managed teams, things like that. But I've never directly hired somebody. And just having like one-on-one -on -one conversations with her teacher, I was just like, who am I to like to talk to a professor about someone else? Like, and writing her evaluation. And I've evaluated people, of course, but it, it, that that was a big thing. And then also I felt it a little bit at some of the big events I attended this year. You know, I was working um, for Hardstyle Mag at Ultra. I was working for EDM House Network and Hardstyle Mag at Tomorrowland. And, you know, Tomorrowland was a big bucket list item for, item for me. I've been dying to go to that festival, you know, since it started. It's been about 15 years ago, I think at least. And yeah, it felt like a little bit of like, what, how, why me? You know, how did I get here? So yeah, I, I definitely feel that. And it's it's hard to navigate that. You know, I think it's normal. I think every uh, any content creator, podcaster is going to experience that because a lot of the times, um, I mean, sometimes for me, when I'm editing my own podcast, I'm like, oh, my God, who am I to, you know, come out with this um, podcast and, you know, host, et cetera. But I think it's just 
it's just a part of uh the creation game i think it's almost like a a way of challenging yourself and it's i think it's a um, your mind kind of telling you that you're doing something right you're kind of doing something outside of your your comfort zone and um you know you never know if you you don't try so i think it just um is just like a package with um being a content creator what do you wish you knew um at the beginning of your podcasting journey um that you didn't know then but know now yeah i think one thing that i didn't know at the beginning was i just kind of assumed that every guest i brought on would like re resonate with people that like all because i liked somebody and thought they were interesting uh, everybody would think that but i think what's great about my podcast and your podcast is the diversity in guests so there's something for everybody if you're interested in djs on my podcast we we have plenty of djs if you're more interested in you know sustainability there's sustainability mental health they're just different topics and i i think it's difficult with my podcast because it's so niche it's like people in the electronic music scene raving for a cause making the world a better place it's, it's a small niche it's a small market so i think i thought at the beginning that every episode like everyone was gonna love it and like yeah and some episodes did way better than others but it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with the episode it's just knowing that you know not every episode is going to resonate with everybody Certain topics do better than others, of course. Certain guests do better, you know, and it also depends how it was promoted. And there's there's a lot of things that go into it, definitely, that I did not realize at the beginning. I didn't think it was going to be hard. I I just like, oh, let's do this. It was like, I didn't realize how much time and effort goes into it. And then now it's even more when you get into YouTube and when you get into, it's just, there's even more. It's just a lot of work. <laughs> how do you prevent burnout with, with everything that you have to do. Yeah, I've experienced burnout a lot. I guess that's no surprise with all the things that I'm I'm listing. And then especially when we're talking about electronic music in the scene, it's really easy to get burnt out because there's not always the healthiest of habits and lifestyle that go hand in hand with electronic music. A lot of events are at night. You know, sometimes there's partying involved. Maybe you're not hanging out with the right crowd of people, not, not you know, taking vitamins and drinking smoothies and doing yoga. So that it that's that has been difficult. But now what I try to do is I just try to listen to my body the best that I can. So I try to if I need to take a break, take a break, you know, maybe skip that one festival, maybe skip that night out, maybe skip the gym, even though you really want to go, you really want to do it. Just try to listen when my body when I start to shut down and I start to get sick or just feeling like this dark cloud over me or not feeling as motivated as I usually am because I am super motivated, then I know it's like, okay, take a step back, take a look at that list. Is there anything that you really don't need? Do you need to make like that extra TikTok or do you need to like already start working on an episode like that's going to come out, you know, months from now? Like, no, just try to handle one thing at a time, you know, do some yoga, watch some Netflix, like get proper sleep, like just try to take a little step back. Though that's way easier said than done. No, 100%. It's super challenging. And it's this giant juggling act. And, um, you know, sometimes you, you you end up dropping a ball, but you have to pick it back up and start juggling again. And you mentioned um, motivation. How do you stay motivated during the ups and downs of content creation and podcasting? Yeah, I've always been a really motivated person. It's never been something that I struggled with. I think I've always been really high achieving and perfectionist, and I've just always had really big goals. So for me, it's just kind of second nature. But I think 
if you have a clear vision of what you want and you just every day take steps to to make that happen, it's it's a lot easier. I, I love that. That's so true because I think a lot of us forget the big picture. So I think it's super important to remember why you even started in the first place. Yeah. And if you're and if you're not feeling it anymore, if you're not feeling the joy anymore, then you should you should either pivot and try to find something else or stop, you know, then do something totally different. I I 100% agree with that. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I I kind of stopped with the the rave content because I just wasn't I mean, I, I still love raving, but I, like creating the content, it it didn't make me happy anymore. And I think that's sometimes an indicator of uh when you need to switch it up or try something new. Definitely. What do you want our listeners to to take away from this conversation? If they had one thing to yeah, take I would say away. To people, yeah, one thing. Oh, that that's tricky. Yeah, if you if you have a goal or a dream, just just go for it. It doesn't matter if it's going to be super complicated or super expensive or super hard. Just take one step towards it. It might seem overwhelming. You might do, you know, maybe not perfect the first time, but if you you have a goal and a dream, just go for it and you make it happen. Just take your time. There's no rush. Just take one step every day towards that goal. I love that. And what what would you say is your um, secret boss sauce when it comes to content creation and social media? Yeah. So I was thinking about this question and it reminded me of like SpongeBob with like the Krabby Patty recipe and Plankton. Did you watch SpongeBob as a kid? Yeah. And, like, yes, I love Plankton SpongeBob. Wanting to know the- Plankton wanting to know the the secret Krabby Patty recipe. And, you know, there was really a big storyline in the show. So when I first heard about this question and, you know, listening to your podcast, I was like thinking about that. And I I think, you know, obviously this is different for everybody, but I think I think for me, it's it's good time management. You You really have to manage your time. You really have to find a balance between your personal life, your social life, your work family, friends, because otherwise, you know, you're going to burn out, you're going to burn bridges, <laughs> destroy relationships. If you're just all the time focused on work, you know, your your social life is, is going to go downhill, your personal relationships, it's not going to go well. But then on the other hand, if you are all the time, you know, focused on, on the social aspects and playing video games and <laughs> going to the gym, then your work's not going to get done. The content's not going to get created. So it's really finding balance and, and managing your time really well especially when we're talking about social media and phones, because it's so easy, like we said at the beginning of the episode, to just mindlessly scroll, watching TikTok, watching silly videos on YouTube. So you really have to set those limits for yourself. Are you consuming content? Are you creating content? Are you doing a little bit of both? So yeah, that was I would say my secret sauce is that I, I'm the queen of time management. I would say I have really strong time management skills. That, and I want to add one other thing, and that's networking. Networking is really important too. And that's another skill that I have. And I think just being able to strike up a conversation with someone or to find intersectionality in things. So I remember, you know, Renee, when you came on my podcast, we connected about yoga. You know, that's that's one thing that we connected. We both love yoga, you know, both love electronic music. So just finding connections with people, networking, that that's extremely important. I I love all of that. So true. Amy, where can people find you? Yeah. So thank you so much for today. You guys can find me on Instagram by going to MC Unicorn Official. And then for Drop Bass Not Bombs, it's Drop Bass Not Bombs NL. On TikTok, which I'm back on now, it's also MC Unicorn Official. And 
I also have a second podcast called Ravers Revelations that's exclusively on Patreon. And that's where my friend and I read and react to festival stories. So that's it's totally different. But if that's up your alley, I would please guys go and check that out as well. I love that. Amy, I can continue talking to you, but thank you so much for coming on. I'll link all of that in the show notes um, so you guys can connect with Amy. We'll see you guys next time.